Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Psalm 46 today as we continue to read the Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. It's it's nice to look at these psalms every so often, and yeah, it's a deviation from what we were reading uh, elsewhere in the Bible, but we, we just keep on seeing how the psalms really they just they're they really fit right in with whatever book of the Bible you're looking at. The themes are just uh, universal across the board. Today, to join us in our reading through Psalm 46, today we've got our guest, Pastor Peter Bender. He's pastor at where is it here? I've got it in the notes. That's right. Yeah, I, just, I couldn't remember the the place in Wisconsin, uh, but Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back on with us. I think this is like maybe like the third time or so now. So it's really great to have you on a few times and looking at a psalm together. So that's a little bit different for us. Yes. Well, it's very good to be with you, too. Yes. And um, like what? So what do you think, you know, about this uh, this psalm here, Psalm 46? You know, it's uh, it's one of the first psalms in um isn't it like book two of the of the Psalter? So I mean, like I think it starts with like forty four yeah, or something like that. That's that's right. Book book two begins with verse uh, with uh, uh, Psalm forty two, and oh, it's 42. Uh, yeah, Psalm forty two begins book two, and and uh, there's a number of interesting things by way of sort of preliminary discussion. I mean, the book one of the Psalter uh, is referring to the Lord God using. Yahweh uh, or Yahweh Elohim, oh, yes, yes. and and Book Two only refers to God, uh, I, I believe, using uh, Elohim. So that's mm-hmm. kind of in- interesting. So Psalm forty six, you know, God is our refuge and strength, as opposed to the Lord God or something like that. And so it's mm-hmm. an interesting how those those Psalms in Book Two seem to be almost grouped that way. Uh, I'm also. Interested by the fact that um, I, I like looking at all of the you know ascriptions for each of the psalms, if there are any, and there certainly there is uh, for Psalm forty six. It's to the choir master, mm-hmm. and it's called a, uh, uh, of the sons of Korah. Now the sons of Korah, as we understand it, were those uh, descendants of Korah who were the singers in, in the temple. So. As I would understand, this would come, uh, would have been one of the Psalms sung, prayed in association with Solomon's temple. And, uh, it would have been particularly during that, that period that it's, that it's use would, as it would have been, as opposed to the Psalms of David, uh, which would have come, you know, considerably earlier to, uh, than that. And, um, some some of the things about it we don't know in that scripture. According to Alamoth, uh, what is that? Sure. The, you know, for sure, is it a, a a tune name like we have in the hymnal? You know, uh, uh, <laughs> old hundredth, uh, old Alamoth, Ein, Ein Festeburg, You know, would be the tune name, right? Of uh, yeah. of a mighty fortress that uh, that uh, was Luther's paraphrase of this psalm. So I, I find right. those things kind of interesting because then this psalm very definitely would have been part of the liturgy. Of yeah. temple worship and and the uh, the use of choirs then to to sing this and so you know when we think AJ of the um, of the historic mass I've often made the comment that of the five great canticles of the mass Kyrie Gloria Credo Sanctus and Agnus Dei there is in human civilization no other texts 
that have more musical settings written mm. for them than the texts yeah. of the historic mass. Isn't that interesting? And so some yeah. of these Psalms, Luther had the practice of doing paraphrases of the Psalms, which was a way in which he catechized on the yeah. the meaning of the Psalm, connecting the Old Testament church with the New Testament church, and most especially the person and work of our Lord Jesus. And, and so I just find all of those things really fascinating, but also insightful in helping us uh, make use of the Psalms today and, and to understand their importance from the church of the Old Testament and how they are so, so much a part of the church of the New Testament and our intro, it's our graduals, uh, our offertories right. and, and so forth. Yeah, you know, Peter, that's really helpful. I mean, thinking about that, you know, how that, that there are these certain liturgical elements that are they're they're almost. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, in, from a linguistics perspective, they're kind of like Rosetta Stones, right? Because uh, they've been put into so many different languages, even as they've been put into so many musical settings. Uh, you know, they, they're just they're just so universal, right? Like you were saying, like you know, these these things that have uh, you know just had this universal level of. Uh, you know, settings and familiarity and distribution here. Uh, and I think that complements what you were saying earlier about how the second book of the Psalter favors the name Elohim um, over over the name uh, Yahweh. Not that it excludes Yahweh, because we're going to see it a few times um, even here. But it, it has that that tendency towards Elohim, which is kind of that 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 kind of more universal way of talking about God. So not El Shaddai, thinking of like a particular set of mountains, um, in Canaan, it's it's not you know Yahweh thinking of like a particular kind of Semitic uh, name uh, for God um, based on a particular Semitic verb, but Elohim. It, it's a very general like Almighty kind of Creator language, all powerful language, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, this Psalm, which is the inspiration for um, a mighty fortress. Uh, or, you know, one of them, uh, the big one, perhaps, uh, it does have just a very universal quality about it. And I think that's uh, one of the things that ties it all together as a psalm. Yeah, that's right. And and I'm also struck, you know, by the uh, allusions to the Trinity within the Psalter. Hmm. And, and I think that, um, you know, the use, you have God as a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble in verse 1. And then verse 7 right. As you indicated there, you do have Yahweh, you know, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob right. is our refuge and come behold the works of the Lord. And and um, if you think of you know, Jesus saying in, in John's gospel, all of the I am statements and uh, in John 8 before Abraham was, I am. I mean, a clear reference to the burning bush, which which indicates that he is uh, the Lord God who brought the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. And so when you have these kind of references, you can see father-son motifs uh, within the Psalter. And I think that's a, a yeah. fascinating connection as well. And you look at, you know, uh, uh, come behold the works of the Lord. I mean, certainly for Luther in his paraphrase in, in uh, A Mighty Fortress, this, you know, but for us fights the valiant one. You know, who is this? Jesus Christ it is of Sabaoth Lord, the Lord of hosts. And there's none other God. He holds the field forever. So the, the, the works of the Lord of hosts, you know, we should think chiefly zero in, center in on the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord. You know, that's, that's really good. And I, I like the liturgical 
Trinitarian connections. It reminds me of, um, I mean, you mentioned the Curie earlier. Um, you know, that was something that uh, in, in our little devotional practice at home, I do with like my wife and my daughters. And we, we you know, and so we, we sing it in Spanish. And so we, um, you know, the, the Rosetta Stone thing again, right? Um, yeah. but so, you know, we say, Señor, ten piedad de nosotros. Cristo, ten piedad de nosotros. Señor, ten piedad de nosotros. And uh, one one night, my daughter asked me, "So, so why do we why do we say it like that? Why do we say it three times? And why is it only the second time that we say Cristo? Right? Like, well, this is a good Trinity moment, right? Well, because, uh, well, it's true that there are, um, you know, we can call rightly the Father Lord, the Son is Lord, and the Holy Spirit is Lord. Um, and yet, there's only one Lord. But um, it's not right to call the Father and the Spirit Christ only." The second person of the Trinity is called that. And so you go through that, you know, that sequence in the Curie, and it's very Trinitarian in its feel. And I, I think that even has you, even as you have this illusion, as you pointed out, you know, um, the God of Jacob is our fortress. And of course, um, in that burning bush moment, you have that threefold revelation of God's name where he says, you know, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac the God of Jacob, Th- those, those threefold moments, they really lend themselves to that Trinitarian um, mystery seeping in. And in fact, here we have a threefold mention. I didn't even notice that. We have a threefold mention of the name of God here. The Lord of hosts is with us. Come behold the works of the Lord. The Lord of hosts is with us. It's just like the Curie. Yeah, I, I I was really struck with you. I I love hearing you, uh, you know, recite the Kyrie in Spanish. It just made me think about how how I mean I don't speak Spanish, so I just I just I love to to hear it. It's just beautiful. My daughter-in-law is uh, of uh, Mexican descent and so forth, but I it it makes me think also of traveling the world over in in Sweden. Uh, uh, mm. In fin- in Finland, in in uh, Nigeria and Ghana, and hearing hearing these key texts like the Kyrie, yeah. spoken in all of these different languages, but it's the one faith. It's it, it's it's so uh, it's so lovely. You know, we've got one God in three persons and three persons who are the one God. And then the the Pentecost moment is that you've got the gospel proclaimed in all languages the world over, but it's one faith in our one Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as Ephesians, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. And, and when you are, it's one of the great geniuses, uh, really, of holding on to uh, the, the, the historic liturgy is that, is that when you're praying those canticles, it's transcending our own culture, isn't it? And our own time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's reaching back in time and, and also connecting us in the present moment with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, the world over, you know, of every color and of every ethnic background and nationality. And it's, it's really a wonderful thing. So I, I just was yeah. musing on that, yeah. hearing you recite that. And and even though I don't know those yeah, know. languages, you know, that of some of these country <laughs> tribal languages, I don't know. There's a zillion sure. tribal languages. Uh, I think oh, yeah. that's the correct number in Africa. But but you can yeah, tell a zillion and one. Let's a zillion one. Yeah. One. You yeah, can yeah. tell what they're what they're what they're praying because, you know, it yeah. in your own native tongue and and and. You especially being the linguist that you are, and you can you're, you're bilingual in the home with Spanish and, and English, and uh, I know what a scholar you are in terms of the biblical languages. So, isn't it lovely to see? On on the one hand, there's there's nuances and differences, 
But on the other hand, there's this great concord, isn't there, in, in those languages and confessing and expressing the faith and praying. Uh, amen. And, and it is it is truly beautiful. Uh, it is a Rosetta Stone for when you're traveling that you, uh, I remember my sister when she told me, okay, last anecdote, then we're going to read this. Um, <laughs> she told yes. me when she was first in Germany and she's trying to get used to everyone, um, you know, doing church in German. But she was like, it, it was so cool because even though I didn't totally get all the words, when they came to stuff like the Lord's Prayer, like I knew what they were saying. I, I mean, like you know, I, I could I could hear like, okay, right. Like there's there's the words for Lord, and they say you know Jesus Christus, and you know, um, and and, what, and those elements there, right? Those are the things like you were saying that seem to just um, that they become incarnate in the different contexts, but they they transcend all of them in that concord. So yeah, certainly yeah, so you see, a little right. bit of a. The, See, the this is my uh, people. You know, banquet. this is we're part of the body of Christ here, and we're joined Amen. together in our Lord. And it's just, it's a lovely thing. Amen. Well, uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and turn to the text. Would you, brother, open us up as a, with a prayer before we go ahead and read it? Yeah, we should do that, shouldn't we? <laughs> Let us pray, Lord God, Heavenly Father. You are our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Grant us ever to behold your works for us. In your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was incarnate of the Virgin Mary, who suffered and died for our sins upon the cross, and who rose triumphantly from the dead the third day, to justify us and declare us forgiven, and your own dear children. Help us, in the midst of all of the things that we suffer in this life, to be still, and to know that you are God, and that even though the world at times seems to be falling apart around us, you will be exalted in the nations and you will be exalted in the earth. And you are with us and you will never leave us or forsake us in your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. Well, I think we've We've introduced this pretty well, and you don't want to introduce it to death. So uh, let's go ahead and just uh, dive in here. So here it is, Psalm 46. I'll go ahead and read the superscription with it, too, since uh, it is part of the Hebrew text that we have been handed down. So here it is from the top. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. 
Sila. So this is a this is just it's such a cool little psalm. You just have these like these beautiful moments. Of course, you know, just be still and know that I am God. Um, a, a phrase that occurs uh, in a couple couple of places in scripture. Uh, but there, there it is here. You've just got like these little nuggets that, uh, that refrain, you know, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's so cool. I mean, it, this thing really does feel like a little three part battle cry. I feel like and, and in that way, uh, I mean, it's, it's a lot of like a lot of the stuff that I think Luther did where, where he kind of, uh, I think that's kind of like why he called it. The, uh, the apostles creed was kind of like a three part battle cry for him. And, uh, and of course, he kind of like had that same kind of inspiration going into uh, his work, um, Mighty Fortress. That's right. When I when I hear this psalm again, as you were reading it, and I, I'm reminded of Luther's uh, oft-repeated observation in his great treatise on the bound will, for example, that the Christian yeah. faith lives from assertions, and and. Mm-hmm. The assertions are that which call us to faith. The assertions are that which we hold fast to in faith. And the assertions are that which strengthen faith and grant us that quietness, that stillness, that this psalm, I think the trajectory of it really goes to, uh, to verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. That the, that the assertions of the Psalter, uh, uh, of, of Psalm 46, the assertions of Psalm 46 move to verse 10. That's the ultimate, you know, if you were to ask the question, what is the, what is the goal of the Psalm for those who yeah. pray it? And, and, and as the Holy Spirit gives this to us and there is no other God, you know, in the midst of a world that seems to be falling apart around us, we want to take matters into our own hands, and we're sometimes so frantic to do so, uh, filled with fear and anxiety and dread as the world is falling apart uh, around us. And so this opening uh, assertion, God is our refuge and strength, and this God is none other than the God of Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is the Lord God, the eternal God, the great I am, the eternal God of the promise of salvation. He is God, and there is none other, to use language from Isaiah's prophecy. God is our refuge and strength, you know, so be still and know that I am God. There is none other. Do not be afraid. And then you have echoing the words of Jesus, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, the God, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, and therefore we need not fear. The first three verses are, are just, um, you know, uh, so wonderful in this regard. that The opening assertion, a very present help in time of trouble, and then... Therefore, see, there's the, the assertion God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will mm-hmm. not fear. And, and I'm re- when I read the large catechism, first commandment exposition, I know he's expounding the law there, but I don't know if you, you read that out loud. I, I am your God. Trust me. Do not be afraid. Yeah. I, I have done all this for you. It, it's articulating the first commandment, the law, but afterwards I feel as if I am buoyed and strengthened in my faith as he you know, speaks to me in, in, in the first commandment there. So also here with Psalm yeah. 46, it's the same kind of thing. Um, and of course, Luther is looking at a mighty fortress. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. And then in verse 7, 
is our fortress, is how that word concludes. So he's refuge, right. strength against all of these things. Earth giving way, mountains. I mean, these are immovable things, right, in the created mm-hmm. order. And and waters roaring and foaming. You think of the flood. You think of the mm-hmm. uh, raging sea that Jonah was hurled into. You think of the tempest on the Sea of Galilee that terrified the uh, disciples. And though the mountains tremble, you think of Mount Sinai and the judgment of the law and so forth. Yeah. Be still, know that I am God. Yeah, that's that, it's really didn't well mean to said. monopolize I, on that. Ah, no, 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 you're on a roll. It's <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, the only the only time I'll uh, I'll interrupt is when we're running short on time here, but we still have a okay. few minutes um, before our break. But yeah, no, that that that's just really good. I um, you know, it's interesting. You know, as you were speaking, I was thinking about that. How you know, it, it does have this very universal feel, and 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 the 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 language, right? Just talking about like the mountains and the seas. I mean, it's just like the language of creation. I mean, I, I mean, uh, That's right. all over the creation, but also like going back to the creation, like that language of, you know, God founding the earth and setting it firm upon its foundations and, um, you know, uh, setting out a, a boundary for the sea and the ocean, right? I mean, it's, it is that kind of idea. It's like, hey, our God's holding together and established the entire created order. So if the nations rage, um, I mean, what, what are, what's no sweat off our back? I mean, like, I mean, what, the waters roar and foam. I mean, yeah, I mean, our God took care of the, the, the flood of uh, the primordial flood of antiquity, you know? I mean, so, I mean, just, just that, that, that creation idea as a, as a, as a, as you were saying, as a, as a buoy, you know, and um, we, we talked about this when we were going through Exodus um, this, uh, this past year, we we're looking at Exodus and, we got to chapter 20 and we saw how in Exodus anyway, I mean, it's just like you were saying, uh, the, the first commandment in many ways, um, though, you know, our tradition and numbering is good for its didactic purposes. But in, in the context there, the, the first commandment is really like you were saying, you know, I am the Lord, your God, uh, who took you out of the land of Egypt where you lived as a slave. Um, and that's just gospel. That's just what I have done for you. I'm your creator. I'm your father. I'm your rescuer. I'm your liberator. Um, I'm the one who has claimed you as his treasure and possession. I mean, that's a sweet word of gospel. And in that sense, you know, uh, meditation on the doctrine of creation as you have it here, it is a fortress and a source of confidence. Yeah, so you think about the... um the times that we have been going through, living through, and so forth, the worldwide uh, a pandemic of the coronavirus and so forth. And, and you yeah. know, certain, certain prognostications did not materialize in terms of tens of millions uh, uh, right. dying and, and millions uh, within our own country. But what if it had, you know? What if, what right. if it had been that, that horrific? It would not have changed. That's, that's really the assertion of this psalm, isn't it? It would not have changed the reality of who God is as both creator and as redeemer and savior and the one who is not distant from us who trust in him, but the one who is through his son who has redeemed us from sin and reconciled us to God, who will never leave us or forsake us, that he is our God. He is our refuge. He is our strength in every trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. You know, and Luther captures that, doesn't he, in, in his hymn, A Mighty Fortress. Take they yeah. our life. Goods, fame, child, yeah. wife, let these all be gone. 
They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. And I think for so many of our churches, I'm not talking simply about you know Missouri Synod churches, but I'm taking yeah. churches at, at large, that this is one of the things that I think um, has been missing in, in the preaching. What if it were this yeah. bad? What if, what if uh, yeah. three quarters of our congregations died? What if we had to face the things that Paul Gerhardt did uh, in burying so many during the great plague of his, of his day? Uh, members of his family, dear members of his congregation, I mean, yeah. funerals, oh my goodness. It didn't change the reality here. You know, let these all be gone. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. So this psalm is really asking the question, who is your God? And if he is the Lord God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the eternal God of salvation, be still. You have nothing to fear. We will not fear. Amen. Well, I mean, though, though all uh, devils, all the world should fill, right? That was the line I was thinking of when you were just talking about, you know, hey, what, what if, what if uh, the chaos and the the pandemic really had spread, um, and and its destruction spread to the magnitude and the extent, right? As as uh, was kind of being, you know, prognosticated, like you were saying. Uh, I mean, that's uh, that's really something because I mean, in, in the hymn, it's like, yeah, you know. Uh, even if just everything goes really, really, really bad, right? The idea that you know he holds the the field forever, and and uh, he uses that military language, right? And and when it says the Lord of Hosts, we we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't miss that. You know, th- this is this is unambiguous military language. The idea is, yeah, we're we're afraid of all these different things in life, and there's good reasons for being afraid. I mean, like fear is not a bad thing. It's a part of the created order, the created psyche. Um, but you have to have fear ordered the right way. Um, and more than all those things out there that we have good reason to be afraid of, we should be afraid of Yahweh of armies. That's what it, that's what it means in, in verse, uh, in verse, well, I mean the, the refrain there in verse seven and in verse uh, 11, you know, it's, it's, it's commander Yahweh, the one who controls, not just, <laughs> not just a powerful army, but all the armies of the earth and the angel armies and so that that gives comfort though as scary as that is when you really sit down and and think about it when you open your mind to think about just who you're calling lord and father um yet the fact is he has declared war on all those other scary things i mean i mean you know and so that's why it says in verse nine right like he makes war cease right so all that stuff that we're scared of that's the stuff that he's declared war on and the i mean that declaration of war that the biggest, loudest shot was in the death and resurrection of his son. That's right. Lovely. Well, I think that that'll probably do it for our first half here, but everybody hang on. We're looking at Psalm 46 here on Thy Strong Word, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Psalm 46 today, uh, this really cool psalm that was the inspiration for Thy Strong Word. Um, I was just told over the break by uh, our guest today, Pastor Peter Bender, pastor at Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin, that he would like to solo Thy Strong Word at the end of the hour. So we're going to let him do that. <laughs> no, I, yeah, that's really I good. Put you on, <laughs> no, I wouldn't put you on the Thy like Strong that, but, Word. Um, yeah. <laughs> there, there we go. There we go. There, there we you go. go. You, you got it um, at the beginning of the hour, that one phrase. <laughs> <laughs> you, you before the break, uh, yeah, you were yeah, talking yeah. about uh, the military language, and and ah uh, uh, yeah yeah, I think we should pick it up there. And t- is it is militaristic? You know, some of the some of the psalms mm-hmm. weren't included in the hymnal because they were, uh, I think, too militaristic for for some people, uh, perhaps. Yeah. But but isn't it interesting? Uh, a fortress is a place where you're protected and so forth. Um, God is our refuge and strength. Um, a mighty fortress is our God. And yet the psalm asserts that he is the one that does the fighting for us, not us. Yeah. That, that yeah, we are no, to be it's still. Like a, it, it's, yeah, kind of, it's kind of that, you. like that, that paradox, right? I mean, th- I mean, doesn't it say, um. I mean, doesn't, doesn't even Luther's in his hymn, right? Like a trusty shield and weapon, right? I mean, That's it's right. like, it, it's, it's but defense for us and fights offense, the valiant like, one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Jesus Christ, it is of Sabaoth Lord, and there's none other God. He holds the field forever. So I, I, I think that we, you know, what is it? What does it mean? You know, this is passive trust. Um, yeah. Does it mean, does it mean we do nothing? Well, in a certain sense, yes, but what it means is that we stay within our calling. We stay within our vocation. You know, I can remember um, a couple of years ago, someone in uh, Bible class had asked me, quite, you know, quite upset with the times that uh, we're living in and seeing the disintegration of the society and culture and the, uh, the, the, the uh, governmental actions being more and more hostile it seemed to to the christian faith and the practice of it what are we going to do what are we going to do how are we going to prepare ourselves and i said we're going to do what god has given us to do we're going to keep doing that we're going to preach the gospel we're going to administer the sacraments we're going to catechize faithfully according to the scriptures and the small catechism we're going to do what god has given us to do in our vocation that's what we that's how we are prepared and i think where we get into trouble is is where um you know we step out of our vocation and and i think um you know during the pandemic these uh, there were a number of states that ordered churches to close and and i yeah. think you know with all due respect you know you're trying to to follow the uh, the government honor them under the fourth commandment Finally, the first commandment uh, takes precedence for us, the first table of the law, and we must obey God rather than men. And I just think that that uh, we should not have been so quick to acquiesce to those edicts, because if you do not hear the word of God in the church, you're not going to hear it anywhere else. And it was an opportunity for us, and we'll have other opportunities too, but an opportunity for us to teach our children what matters most. And what is the true source of our life and of our salvation? And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I think there's there's so many times in life where that lesson needs to be uh, reinforced. And so to be still and know that I am God is, you know, to continue to do what God has given you to do. 
Yeah, that's yeah. Wow, yeah. There's there's a lot to to unpack there. I mean, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I like going back to the Ten Commandments. Um, I mean, it reminds me of when we were talking about Exodus twenty and the Ten Commandments. You know, it, it's it's interesting how that that um, that command you know, honor your father and your mother. It, it is um, it's a commandment in its own right, but yet it's not necessarily a command. Um, in Exodus 20, anyway, so much as it is an introduction for everything that follows. So when you, you know, uh, when you refrain from adultery, when you refrain from murder, when you refrain from stealing and all the rest, you're just doing what your mom and dad taught you to do, right? You know, no one has to, you don't have to go to Mount Sinai to hear you shall not steal, right? Like that's, that's a, it, it's again, that universal idea. And so it is interesting then, um, because uh, I think it helps us understand the fourth commandment on your father and your mother rightly, uh, because, you know, you, you don't actually follow that um, unless you do as they taught you, which includes things like you shall not murder. And I mean, I think that's just the, that's the thing, like those those uh, those those edicts, those those orders and guidances, right, were all issued in the name of you shall not murder. Right. But I, I think the thing that we. I mean, I mean, there was a little bit of arrogance in it. It was to think like, well, if we just, if we just can all like do this, uh, we'll, you know, kind of like top down this kind of top heavy approach. We'll, we'll no, no one's going to die or, or, you know, very, very few people. But instead, what we ended up doing is we, I mean, I mean, we just didn't pay enough attention to the frailty of the human spirit and the needs of the spirit, right? Because it just, it got on everybody's nerves way too fast going like so hardcore, Right. It was yeah. like trying to take an addict, right, um, just like cold turkey off of something. And, and taking such a heavy approach ended up uh, leading to people, um, you know, just bucking um, any rules and regulations. It led to different areas just kind of like being scofflaws and reopening too quickly or too hastily. Um, and then like the biggest thing, I think, is that we saw this massive correlation um, looking at these stay-at-home orders that were just, you know, really, really heavy and uh, deteriorating mental health. I mean, we were just, we were killing our neighbor in spirit because we were disconnecting him um, from all his relationships in the community. And so, I mean, I, I think that, yeah, when you look at, you know, obey uh, your, your father and your mother and you're obey, obeying the government, you got to look at, well, hang on a second. I'm not really obeying what mom and dad taught me if I'm, if I'm, if I'm killing people, um, you know, I mean, and there was a huge spike in suicide. So, I mean, like your, your point is, um, really timely and well taken. Well, I think in this whole regard, you have uh, two things held in tension here. On the one hand, our pastors and our congregations are absolutely called uh, to love the neighbor, to love the vulnerable, yeah. to love those who are uh, most you know, at risk uh, with the virus. Uh, and so that doesn't mean, though, on the other hand, that we stop offering divine service, that we right. stop offering opportunities to visit those who are more vulnerable in very safe settings, to bring them the Lord's word and sacrament, because that's the one thing needful. And so uh, what, what I object to with all due respect is our own governor said, uh, now he didn't issue this in an order, but he simply said, you do not need to go to church. Well, with all due respect, yeah. governor, that is not your call. You're in the left-hand kingdom. Uh, and it, you know, my calling as a pastor is different from uh, a, a young 
fairly young uh, father in in our congregation who whose lungs were damaged uh, in the swine flu uh, of some years ago and and he was on a ventilator for uh, nearly a month and I thought he wow. was going to, I thought he was going to die and he was otherwise a healthy yeah. man and and so he was a kind of person who would have been considered at risk for the virus so for him to take seriously his vocation as a father of children and a husband to take extra precautions makes perfect sense for the care of himself and for the care of sure. his family uh, to 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 be their the head of household and the provider for them but but then you look at at me i'm the pastor of a congregation uh if i were uh if i were a chaplain in the army and i was in afghanistan or in some war torn area and ordered to go to to serve the troops in harm's way, I couldn't say, well, I, I really can't do that because it's a little bit risky. There's a, so there's a difference right. between our calling is what I'm, is what I'm trying to say. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I didn't have any choice in the matter. So, you know, during Holy week of, uh, 2020, we had, uh, 33 services to, on the one hand, accommodate yeah. the governor's orders of, of fewer numbers, which we did. But on the other hand, to say, look, we are Christians. And this is the most important week of the year. And we're going to continue to offer services, which we also, you know, broadcast online, as well as having, um, you know, live and in present people participating in receiving the Lord's word and sacrament. And and through it all, you know, we um, we continue to we had some uh, services with individual cups for uh, some of those who were most sensitive, but for the most part, we were common cup and I, and at all of these services and, and I partook of the common cup last after everyone else did and, yeah. and made the, made the comment that, uh, I, I think I've been in the best health during this, uh, during that whole stretch, you know, it, it seems yeah. like every Christmas time I get some sort of a cold or, or every, uh, after, after, after Holy Week and Easter, I, I I get some sort of a cold, but but by the grace of sure. God, you know that hasn't happened. My it's just my point is that in this Psalm, you know, be still and know that I am God. We shouldn't. We're, we're called, AJ, not to be afraid, to do what God has given us to do, which yes means loving the neighbor, doing everything we can to to support them. Yeah, and on the other hand, being also true to the church's mission and as as uh, one of the sheriff uh, deputies said when we we reported to them exactly we're going to follow the governor's orders here but we're still going to have services and we want you to know that and they were appreciative of that and and he said it seems to me uh, we need the church at a time like this uh more than more than any other time so and I, I think that sentiment is good he also said the time they make me cut count uh, heads in a church is the time i'm going to turn in my retirement papers yeah. Well, I mean, oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, so, so many good, um, stories there. Thank you for sharing those. Those are always an encouragement and, um, I mean, I mean, illustrative of how we do just need each other for that, like mutual conversation and consolation. Um, I mean, of course in a brotherly forgiveness, but just in encouraging each other by, uh, by telling each other the good things that God is, is, uh, is up to. And, you know, I, I think that really complements this idea of, uh, this verb here on be be still, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, I mean it does it doesn't mean actually uh, like be 
uh, motionless, right? It, it doesn't, it doesn't actually, I mean, it's not, it's not the word for just like be, you know, stop, stop everything, which is, <laughs> which was kind of the response, um, to, to, to the pandemic. I mean, I mean, rather it's like, you know, um, I mean, let, let go of this, let like get your hands. I mean, really, this is the ironic thing about it. It's like, Hey, take your hands off the steering wheel. I mean, is really kind of what it means. Uh, I mean, in the Hebrew is used for things like let go of the reins, right? Yeah, and that's scary, um, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, it's scary. It's scary, it's scary for it's us also, to it's, do it's, that. Yeah, no, we, liberating, we like to be in control. Finally. We like yeah. to, well, yeah, that's right. We'd like to be in control. Um, or at least we think we like to be in control. It turns out that it actually drives us to, um, a, a, a total mental breakdown when we try to take control of everything, as you were saying, it's actually liberating when we when we let go of it. But I mean, I mean, isn't that just the thing, though, right? I mean, so the verb kind of means like, hey, guys, um, stop thinking that you're in control. Stop trying to grab the steering wheel from daddy. You don't have a driver's license yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> just thinking, thinking about my little one who like wants to. She, she thinks she should get a driver's license tomorrow. I mean, both of them, and they're you know like four and you know uh, not even two yet. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, just, that's what the verb really means. And, and so when, when all this was going down with COVID, it was like, well, guys, we, we've, we've got to do something. We can't just yeah. do nothing. Yeah. Right. And we, right. There, there's this human panic that sets in like, well, we have to do something, right? Like the only thing that would be worse than doing the wrong thing would be doing nothing. But I mean, that, that's the, that's the, that's the trap we fall into. Cause the, the, the verse is telling us right here, Hey, Actually, the the right thing to do ultimately is just keep doing the same things. I mean, if you're trusting in the one true God, if you're resting in his protection and his peace, if he is your fortress, you just keep doing what you're doing. You don't need to try to grab the steering wheel away from him. Um, we don't need to arrogantly think that we can all of a sudden have power and mastery over all of creation. I mean, there was there was so much arrogance and um, a misplaced I mean, this is just what happens when you when you say that there is no God, then you have to grab the steering wheel. That's right. And there's right. no way that you can you can convince yourself to let go of it. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly right. And if we come back to the structure of this psalm, it's it's interesting to me that what we talked about in the opening verses about the creation yeah. being being shaken, you know, the yeah. the earth gives way, the mountains are cast into the sea, the the waters roar, and then in the next verses it will talk about the nations raging kingdoms tottering and so forth yeah. so so you see the the wars and the rumors of wars the things that we do to ourselves as well but i'm struck also that in verse four you know after those those opening three verses there is a river whose yeah. streams make glad the city of god the holy habitation of the most high you know what is that river whose streams make glad the city of God. You know, is it, is it not, I'm curious about your thoughts on this, but I mean, is it not the, the, the river of Christ's blood, you know, the, his, the, the blood and water of redemption that flows from his side, the, the river that we have access to in the waters of holy baptism, in, in the body and blood of Christ, in the supper, in the, in the river of the spirit's preaching of the gospel, um, and and then this the holy habitation is that not is that not the church the very body of Christ which is which is made up not of wood and stone but of 
men and women and children of every tribe and nation and language. And I was thinking when you were talking about the the isolation and the the uh, rise in suicides and so forth, you know, Genesis two. It is not good that the man should be alone. It's not just the yeah. man, but but it, it it applies to all of us. We are really created to be in communion with the triune God, who is this one God in this community of loving persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you know, from eternity to eternity, and we're made in his image. So it's not good for us to be alone. I grieve over those elderly who are who are forcibly separated from their loved ones because they're in care facilities who, who uh, will not allow visitation. I mean, you know, I think we have to examine these things, you know, is that is that really where we want to go? And I think there'll be a movement to to put fewer of our aged and infirm members in institutions like that for for fear that we may be separated from them again. And I had a, I had a member in this regard whose whose wife with dementia, 90 years old, he just couldn't handle the safety concerns at home and she went into a, a memory facility uh in in february of 2020 and uh-huh. then by 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 the time easter rolled around he had to take her back home he said the 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 concerns for her safety that made me put her in there in the first place took second place to her spiritual and emotional health and uh yeah. Coming to see her and bring her communion in the home after she was uh, taken out of the facility, uh, she and he were just f- filled with joy. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, the, the holy habitation of the Most High, you know, and it, notice it's, the, it's plural, isn't it, when it's it, uh, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is mm-hmm. our refuge. So it's, it's not, I think we would t- tend to read it uh, sort of subliminally as the Lord of hosts is with me, the God of Jacob me, is my, my refuge, yep. you know, exactly. but it's us and our. So I don't know. Those are just some oh, yeah. further oh, no. thoughts I'm, I'm totally, that you inspired there. Oh, no, I am totally on the same wavelength there. I mean, I mean, it's it's uh, it, it's amazing. And, and you, OK, so you mentioned this river, right? So one thing that I don't know if we've, if we've talked that much about it on Thy Strong Word when we've done the, the Psalms, but every once in a while you get these Psalms that you have uh, this this word in italics, right? Selah or, yes. or Selah or something like that. I mean, um, so in the Greek or not in the Greek, in the Hebrew, it's something like um, Selah. And it, yeah, we don't is exact, <laughs> Yeah, what, what, what is that? What is that? Selah. Um, like, we're not totally sure, but it seems to basically mean like like break, cesura, like double, you know, railroad track symbol, like, you know, like pause next verse kind of thing. Chill um, and think about so, this for a moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you, well, no, no, that's, that's good though. Like kind of chill and think about this because if you kind of just let it sit there, um, you don't actually have to insert the next two words that the ESV does where he says that there is a river. Um, like uh, we're trying to like, you know, make it all fit together. Like I, I think the idea is you kind of just let that first scene happen which is sort of like that God is like the refuge in the midst of the roaring waters, right? It's almost like an island fortress or something like that, or a coastal one. Um, think of like the city of Tyre or something like that. And then just change scene. Um, and it's like, it's like a movie where it's the, the first word is just a river. A river. So now we're just, we're a just, river. Look, we're yeah. just looking at a river now, right? So we, we, we have kind of shifted to something else, right? Um, shifted to a different location. And I, and I think that that idea complements just so well what you were saying, right? 
we're talking about a place. And I mean, and didn't, didn't everything with COVID like just really emphasize to us the importance of place and the importance of presence and, and being together, just like the, the, the stories that you were sharing, I mean, illustrate and, you know, may God grant it that, that we, uh, that we stop isolating our elderly and we start treasuring them and we we change our, ourselves as a society to find a ways to actually honor them and uh, and to keep them with their families and their communities it's it's uh it's about physical presence and it's like you're saying you know it's it's not like you know it's just kind of subliminally like oh it's it's me and my fortress and you know god's gonna get me through all of my stuff like well and certainly he will but it, it's it's in the midst of his people, Israel. I mean, like, where is the mighty fortress? You know, it's just so unthinkable. Yeah. You're saying, you know, like the, gov- the governor said, don't go to church. He just said, don't go to the mighty fortress. That's right. That's don't, exactly don't, right. Don't take refuge in the, in the Lord of hosts. I mean, and that's just unthinkable from the Christian perspective. Hang on a second. You just said there's a, there's a pandemic, and now you're telling me that I can't take refuge in the only fortress that's actually going to save me from the pandemic? That doesn't make any sense. It is the church. It is the people of God, plural. I, I love that, uh, the way you phrase that, a change of scene where you go from this calamity of the earth giving way and so forth to a river whose streams make yeah. glad. I mean, it, there there are very strong shadows of the book of Revelation here in Psalm oh, yeah. 46. I mean, when, and I like to describe the book of Revelation as kind of this kaleidoscopic uh, view of sometimes the church militant in all of her suffering and sometimes the church triumphant but the reality is they're 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 both you know overlaid kind of simultaneously on top of each other i mean we don't uh, when we're when we're seeing all that we're seeing that's coming apart down here so to speak on this earthly plane there is nonetheless the the heavenly realm where where all is well and the angels and archangels and all of the company of heaven are are singing and and to learn to believe to use luther's phrase in the uh christian questions and answers to learn to believe that in the midst of a world that's falling apart a river whose streams make glad the city of god is the place where we drink the lord in his holy habitation is there in our midst and nurturing and protecting us and it's a lovely kind of picture well, and it's, I think you're just, you're, you're spot on. It's the picture that you get in Revelation. And Revelation's really instructive the way that it talks about this stuff. Because, I mean, in Revelation, right, you, it's, uh, you got the, the tale of two cities going on, but they're both Jerusalem. <laughs> You've got apostate Jerusalem on the one hand, which is, you know, likened to right. Egypt and Sodom, um, you know, the place where they, they killed um, James the Just, right? Um, and then, on the other hand, you've got heavenly Mount Zion, right? Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem. So hang on a second. We're talking about two different locations, but it's the same location. Yeah. I, I think this is getting at that paradox um, that you get in Revelation where, yeah, there's a scene change from the first three verses to these next four verses here. There's a scene change. Um, and and yet it's actually the same location still, right? I mean, this, this is the body of Christ. I mean, that, that's the mystery, right? That the, that's right. The heavenly Jerusalem is wherever two or three are gathered together in his name. You know, so so th- this, this is the paradox. On the one hand, you say to yourself, well, physical location isn't that important because it can be wherever. Okay, well, sure, but then the other side of the paradox, but it is where two or three are gathered 
you know, the, the places where you can put your arm around somebody, the place where you can share the supper is the big one with each other. So, so it, it's, it's the paradox that, yeah, it's not a particular location, and yet it is a very particular, real, physical location. Yeah. And, and, and you know, consider this. Our refuge, our mighty fortress is a person. Yeah. The person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so then you have that invitation to faith there. Come, come, behold the works of the Lord. He, you know, talking about the one who is doing the fighting. He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot with fire. It reminds me of St. Paul saying, look, if God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for our salvation. How will he not also along with Christ Jesus freely give us all things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No one, even if all of the powers of the universe combined are marshaled against us. And, and that's so spectacularly comforting. And that's why our focus in a mighty fortress ultimately has got to be the cross and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is the fountain of all of this victory and all of this comfort. Well, amen. And it's uh, going back to your, your comment at the beginning. It's why that cross is lifted up all over the world and it is the most universal symbol that's been replicated and restyled and, and reproduced all over more than any other symbol on the earth, along with all the other symbols of the faith that whether it's like in the first uh, strophe here, whether it's uh, in the mighty fortress against the the coastal waters that are the waves that are battering and foaming and roaring whether it's uh, in the last scene it's uh, he's out there on the battlefield or whether it's in that middle scene and he is just giving peace like a river um it's that one place gathered under the cross so thank you so much brother it's uh, it's been a joy always, yeah always a great time i'm looking forward to having you on again soon thanks aj very much Everybody, that was Pastor Peter Bender, pastor at Peace Lutheran Church in Sussex, Wisconsin. Moving back on to the regular programming now. But everybody, until then, God's peace be with you. I'm Pastor A.G. Espinosa. Till next time. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.